This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. Thank you so much for tuning in to another installment of the Scars and Guitars podcast. This chat features four of the members from Melbourne-based outfit Stone Trip. Yet another band proving that it's hard to go past Melbourne as the hard rock and rock and roll capital. I'm going to say the Southern Hemisphere. Wow, based on the quality of the material that I've heard from Stone Trip, it's not a boast. You'll be hearing from vocalist Mark Ritchie, guitarist, guitarists Mark Malusa and Jason King, and bassist Sebastian Barahona. I enjoyed this chat. I haven't done a bit of a conversation like this in the round. I'm so used to doing it one-on-one. It was quite quite different for me to have four people on the other side, but I think all of us handled it rather well. There's uh, hardly any talking over each other, and I think the quality of the audio didn't scrub up too bad at all. Now, the catalyst for the chat is ultimately because I actually really like the band, but the group do have an EP in market. It's a self-titled EP, so Stone Trip, the EP. You can check it out now on streaming services, and I believe if you go to the band's Facebook page or website, you can follow the links and purchase physical copy just reach out to the guys anyway on facebook if that's your thing as you will hear they're lovely fellas before we get to the chat let's have a listen to the song that got me into the band this one is titled runaway it's one of those killer hard rockin i call it metal i know the guys have got a bit of a different take on it but it's you know it's hard rockin metalified rock and roll and uh you'll soon hear why i like the band so much based on the quality of this cut once it's done We'll dive into the chat. Let's go. Yeah. 
now through John and Mark uh, about Stone Trip for, for about a 12 months or so, maybe a bit longer. The first single that I was sent was Runaway and I was impressed. I was both impressed and intrigued because I'm a sucker for hard rock with a metal vibe and I feel like as though that summarises what you guys are all about, but do you agree? Yeah, probably more on the rock melodic side of it guitar orientated sort of melodies as opposed to sort of a, a heavier sort of metal side of things but runaway is very in your face yeah. away from it doesn't give you a chance you know runaway is meant to be just bang yeah but i guess the way it starts to just yeah you know, yeah it's it was meant to be that way too you know it's um it's really cool and the actual recording if you listen hard enough to it that i, I just sort of take this breath just before it. That's the intro. Yeah, and Ricky mm-hmm. caught it, the producer. So it was amazing. He's just he said, hey, and it just goes bang, and it's in your fucking face before you know what's going on. So that's mm-hmm. I, I just love I love the song for that reason. We've had good reviews with that song. Yeah, too, that there's no frills, it's just bang, you know, and I, I kind of like yeah. someone thinking it. Yeah, and it does sort of sum us up a little bit too, I think, doesn't it, Mick? Because we just sort of, you know, there's a riff. There's, some, there's the lyrics, there's the melody, and just bang, and if it ain't fucking broken, don't fix it. You know, that's kind of how we roll. So mm. we don't really set out to brand the band as, as Stone Trip. It kind of just is what it is. You know, we don't know what it is, to be honest with you, and we, we kind of like it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I do love that song. I listened to it well after I received it, you know, the review cycle. I actually played it on the radio show that I got, or the radio show that I put on the podcast. And um, I spoke to, I even spoke to the song uh, about you guys with Mark when I had a good chat with him. And um, I can't remember precisely what he said, but he mentioned something similar to what happened to me was that it was on in the background and he was doing something and then he stopped doing what he was doing and said, I need to pay attention to these guys. And that's certainly the same way I felt about it. Wow. That's awesome. Great. Now, Now, there is a dynamic between all of the cuts on the EP there's five in all. You cover a lot of ground. So how do you guys share ideas and make everything sound cohesive? Hmm. Interesting question. Um, I think a lot of it's in the nucleus of how we write a lot of the time. So Mick um, looked at demographic change a little bit now too with Jay's coming on board as well and, and putting some ideas forward, which is what we're doing tonight a little bit, which is awesome fun. But I think um, initially the writing process was sort of Mick has got his background 
which is sort of a lot of, you know, bluesy rock sort of Zeppelin, Gary Moore sort of, if I'm it's fair enough to sort of say that. Gary um, nice. You know, those types of riffs and kind of things. And I just, I'm a prolific writer anyway. Um, so somehow we just managed to, Mick will send me a riff and I'll sit there and have a couple of joints and the way I go and I just start writing and throw it back and, you know, before we know it, that's pretty much the way we've written the last few songs and we get into the rehearsal studio with the boys and throw it at Sebastian and, and Connie, our drummer, and, and now Jason. With, and that side, I think we're just pretty blessed to have that calibre of musician to, to sort of, you know, get it to where it needs to be. But most of it's just a natural progression with playability, I think, with the guys, you know. Yeah, do, do you have things out in the? I mean, it's, I know it's been really hard to do that, do that over the past two years or so. But in normal circumstances, say when you when you were writing the EP, do you hammer things out in the rehearsal studio after you've shared the ideas as demos? Uh, pretty much, I send all like the music that I create in my own space to Richo as a whole arrangement, as mm-hmm. a song already done. Okay. You know, with uh, sounds except for you know just what I think is a bass by the computer then it goes to Sebastian but the most of the arrangements are done before Richard gets it the rest I think of it as he just got bits and pieces everywhere you know um at, at that at that stage you know so now we're doing it a bit different where we're you know getting together and um putting you know other ideas from other brains into the mix as well to see what road it can lead to but originally then five songs you know like you know a few of them. The first EP was done on a wall, you know. Yep. Studio with, yeah. with a mate of ours who owned the studio, getting drunk and writing songs. Yeah, well, that's right. Yeah. That's yeah. a good way to do things. The yeah. first EP, and then, then we demoed it on that night. You know. Yeah. Well, that's that is funny because the, the way that happened was that yeah, Mick and Tone invited me down. They, they were just you know we got fucked up pretty much and. I just started writing shit and they kept playing it and that was pretty much it. We had a bit of a session and I think we probably put out like three or four songs or something and we put it down and didn't think about it anymore and I sort of pulled it back up and had to listen to it about, I don't know, four or five, maybe six weeks later and listened to it and I, and I rang Mick straight away and said, hey, mate, you know, this stuff, there's something about it. Not too sure what it is, but there's something about it. And uh, at that point, Mick and I made a bit of a pack and said, well, all right, if we're going to do it, let's have a crack at it. Let's go our hardest, give it a, give it our all, and uh, let's see where, where, where it takes us, you know. And from that point, it's taken us to where we are now. So here we go. We're just grinding away and there's no formula to anything. We just we just believe in hard work, um, good vibes, good music, a little bit of a family sort of set up with the band. There's no egos. There's none of that stuff goes on. We're not afraid to knock things out with each other and stuff like that, and, and on we go, you know. For, for as long as there's not, not an ego in the room, I think uh, we'll just keep doing what we're doing, you know. Was the lineup changes, was that brought about just due to the whole COVID situation? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Mm. I don't want to go into it too much, but, you know, our former guitarist sort of had his status and stuff, which is fine, and we respected that. But he made that choice. But he you know, made that so choice. that was left for him to decide if he wanted to stay, what then be would have to do. Um, but you make that decision, you know, so. Yeah, it was, it, it, it was not to... Um, uh, 
speak of their performing guitarist in the band. Lloyd is a great guy and he's still a great friend of ours. So there was no malice or anything like that. But I, I just reflecting back on it, I was actually talking about it the other day. And he said, no matter whether it was our guitarist or whoever it might have been, decided to make that decision and based on their thoughts and processes and what they thought about it, which was fine. And but as a result of that, they lost their job and you know a 30-year music career because of it. Yep. But now I say probably six, eight months later since the transition's been changed and now with masks coming off and you don't have to be vaxxed and, you know, he'll probably go back into some other music and, and awesome that he does that. But the funny thing is is you pull all that apart and at the end of it and the, the conspiracy of the person who thinks that way may think, oh, well, see, I told you. I told you it wouldn't matter in the long run. But the point that got me was that, yeah, but you lost a career in, on, on the way. Mm. Yeah, I call what you just mentioned there. I've, I'm a, I mentioned I'm a muso, but been in plenty of bands of people who swore black and blue you won't bloody make it. And then you think, okay, but that's just what I call crystal ball gazing. I mean, of course, if you don't think you're going to make it, if you don't think you're going to put together a killer EP like what you guys have, it won't bloody happen. And then if you don't think you're going to continue on with it, it won't either. It's it's a bloody hard grind being, being in. I know you guys aren't strictly independent, but you understand what I'm saying. You don't have that massive money behind you sort of putting you out there in the the, uh, the rugby league, you know, matches or the AFL matches for you guys, that sort of thing, getting your yeah. music blasted that way. So you've got to sort of stick together and keep that team vibe happening. Yeah, it is. And that was the, probably the saddest thing, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, that was a hard hurdle to jump. Yeah, you know? yeah, it was. It was It was really hard because we we, we, we didn't we, we didn't want that to happen, you know. Mm-hmm. But you've got to respect people's views and stuff like that and, you know, it's, it's our democracy and, you know, yeah. may, may that remain, you know, but... At the end of the day, it's, you know, I think it's a good point you made too that if you look into the crystal ball and you can see that there's a bit of a future now, which I'm sure our former guitarist would have seen, but we're still prepared to make that sacrifice for it. So that's a big deal for that person and I get that. But, you know, to look in that crystal ball and if you can't see, we can we we don't know what it is. There's something about Stone Trip. We don't know what it is. We don't give a fuck what it is. We like it. (laughs) So, you know, and that's the way we want to be. So, and we can see that we can see there's something gonna happen because one we want it to happen and we're trying to make it happen without being too obvious about the whole thing we're just writing our songs and trying to let our music and what we do speak for itself and um you know well that's a beauty about it too we have control of what we write you know we're not told to write in a certain fashion or a certain genre or we, we need more top 40 choruses or anything like that we're we have full control, and that's why the album is so, you know, we cover a fair bit of ground because of the actual track we were writing at the time of how we felt, you know, at the time. So, and we don't want to stop doing that, you know, like there'll be a ton of rock songs, a ton of heavy stuff yeah. in the future, a ton of, you know, different style, you know. Mm. It's funny, isn't it, though, somehow we always know that whether we come up with something We'll just go, especially Mick and I'll go, oh, it's not Stone Tree. <laughs> or it's Stone Tree. Don't yeah. know what it is. Yeah. It's but like the feel. You just sort of, yeah. The you know? groove and the feel at the time. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a good problem to have. Yeah. You know, our, our next EP that we, we've already recorded, when we're going to go back to the studio and uh, finish off an album uh, really soon, actually, and uh, 
Has Mark or whoever uh, been in talks with you about the potential to, say, bring what you're doing to the States, you know, five or six gigs, that sort of thing. I'm not talking about a tour, but five or six gigs, that sort of thing, and even with your label mates, I think one of the best fans around at the moment in Shotgun Mistress. Yeah, it'd be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, we've had that discussion, actually, and we're waiting for him to get easy in LA at the moment, actually, so... There's um you know, we're having a meeting with him when he gets back about the future of this band yeah. and pro- certain projects. And look, yeah, look, the fact that Mark has got the interest he's got in the band is unbelievable for us. Mm. We've got a, an um, a, somehow we've just built a, a great respect with each other. And I think it's because we're fair income, you know, we're, we're, yeah. we're having a fair income crack at it. And and I think Mark appreciates that and he respects us for it because we're not, we're no bullshit. We, you know, we pay our way. We're not trying to bleed a record company or a label to get advances or shit like that. We, we're doing what we're doing off our own back because we're, we're passionate about what we do. So, and I think Mark really appreciates that. And um, we're grateful for um, the interest that he shows in us as a band. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's got a lot of, lot of labels and a lot of bands signed and, you know, over I don't know four hundred plus bands he's got on his on his label, and the fact that he gives us the time he gives us, mm. well, it's pretty priceless for us, and we respect that greatly. Yeah, so. mm. well, it's a lot of genuine stage experience as well on the band. Yeah, everyone's had yeah, we've yeah, lots of years on stage, um, lots of lots of years uh, touring away, and so I think you know we'll we'll, we'll find out we'll hit our straps in the live show. Um, yeah, we know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, yeah we'll, gotcha. And I think that shows too, like even on stage, you know, even with Jace just coming on board, uh, we did a gig our first show with Jace a, a couple of weeks ago and it was just a natural fit. You know, when you've got someone who knows what they're doing and I think that's, I'm blessed as a, as a vocalist to have that calibre of music, musician around me where, you know, uh, I still remember when Jace came in and auditioned with us, we, we'd done a couple of them, we were kind of in this. And then um, he walks in and we're like, oh, right, yeah. <laughs> he just nailed the whole fucking operation. You know what I mean? And that was like, yeah, that's it. You know, not that we set a status or a calibre for the type of musician that we wanted, but he, he just fitted straight into what we do. So really excited to, uh, yeah, yeah, to, to get some writing and, and Jason's input already has been phenomenal with some new ideas and things we're doing. But that was the first, it was funny, wasn't it? It was the first thing we said to him. It was like, it's got to be Stone Tree. <laughs> He's like, what's that? And you go, hey, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'll know it when you do it. Yeah. But we'll tell you if it's yeah. not. Yeah. Gotcha. Sebastian, you've been a bit quiet there, mate. I like your bass playing. I'm primarily a bass player myself. I love that little run that you do there um, in uh, Runaway as well. So do, do you have a philosophy in terms of the way you like to add your bass lines to a song or do you just sort of let it rip, so to speak? Yeah, I have uh, different approaches. I like to be guided and I also like to do my thing, so I sort of meet in the middle. Um, most of the songs have been written by Mick, the bass lines, like the basic, but he always tell me, like, play that, but then do whatever you, you want. Mm. And uh, my background is in, like, Latin American music, rock as well, uh, like classic rock, punk, 
a lot of funk and jazz. So I like to have fun and do some something when I when I can. But I love groove as well. So I always try to to lay some fat like from the foundation for for everything. I hear everything. I, I love every instrument. And for me, uh, I, I love music as um, as an art as well. So mm. I'm always looking to make things better, you know, not just bass. It, it, for me, bass is one of the, the jobs that it's behind the scenes almost, like make everything else sounds better. But if they give me the space, I, I take it like with, with no doubt. Yeah, I love being in the spotlight and in the, like in the backbeat. Yeah, that's my philosophy. He's a very good-looking boy. <laughs> <laughs> a child. Yeah. You bring all the ladies in, Sebastian. I can tell. No, I'm gonna. You're right. You go. I was gonna say I can tell Sebastian's got a great, you know, knowledge of music and the way he's able to pick up those versions and 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 just really sort of highlight the music. And I think that yeah, mm. things that you're doing are definitely improving. Yeah. A standard riff, you, you're, you're adding some colour to it. Yeah, well, it's yeah. part of the soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. But we're not sure what it is, but it's good. No, it's yeah. good. But it, yeah, it, it sounds musical. It doesn't, it doesn't sound like just any other bass player. I, I think no. that, well, um, it definitely brings the music to life. Okay, like even just the, like the bass parts in Runaway, you know, like in them verses. Yeah. Mm. To me, that's amazing. You know, like it, my hair stands up when I hear it. You know, mm. uh, but just uh, that caliber of yeah, of skill. Yeah, I think it's the realness yeah. of it too. I love the realness of it all. Mm. You know, it's just it's just real playing. You know, it's no bullshit. It's meat potatoes, and that's what it is. You know, there's a, a little bit of maybe garnish on the. You know? <laughs> but it's not. It's not when to when to play solid. When to play garnish and, and when to add the colour. You know. Yeah. 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 And, and if there's too much, then it's you spoil it. Yeah. Basis. In a way, it's so quiet and so powerful because it, it's, it has to be there in the in the right place in order to sound full. But if you play something a bit, a bit off, everything changes like straight away. So it's a big responsibility, I think. And I love to add a few different things, but um, for me the consistency and the, the weight is there, the most important. I, th I think that's what I like about it too, actually. It's a good point, mate, because I, I really like when when I listen to our stuff that you can you can pull an, a single instrument out of it. You know what I mean? I could just focus on the bass line and just get blown away by that. I can put that down and then listen to the guitars and just then listen to the drum tracks. That is, is I think I think that's what I really like about it. I think there's just it's not just that you can literally pull it apart and just, you know, enjoy Single part, which is yeah, I think it's pretty special. Nice orchestration. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think you can listen to the song five times and hear it differently each time. Yeah, because you can spend the time on, on focusing on just what yeah, what, what each part's doing. Yeah, um, appreciate it for that. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Tell tell me about Ricky Ray and working with him. Oh, he's a gem, mate. That boy means a genius. He's got ears like I don't know from another planet. What's his background though? Who's he, who else has he worked with? Baby animals. Daryl Braithwaite. Yeah. yeah. Truck. Uh, Mary truck. Was a truck now. Yeah. He's done a lot of things. He does a lot of. Um, I, I don't quote me on it, but I know he does a lot of things through TV production as well. 
mm. stuff yeah. like that. Does yeah. a lot of producing. Um, I think uh, might have been don't quote me on it again. I could be wrong, but it might have been the voice or yeah, or something like that. But um, he's very, very well respected, and rightly so. Um, when we met him, he's a drummer. He's a brilliant drummer. Mm-hmm. He, he's, he's, he's an unbelievable producer. But um, he, he, the good thing about Ricky is he'll tell you he doesn't overproduce, but he he'll tell you, and he's not he's not your typical sort of do it like this guy. He's just try this, and it's just it was like a, a almost a six member in the band by the time we finished with it. You know, he he kind of I presume he, he loved what we were doing, and we loved the way he went about it. So, but. It was just little things, you know, like he'd take the time to to get his little piano and, and get that note spot on, you know, or he, you know, these guys are accomplished musicians in their own right, for example, in terms of tuning and stuff like that, they do it standing on their head and they've got good ears. But I think every time, when anybody would grab a guitar and go, no, no, hang on, just, and it's yeah, like, yeah, it's monitoring. Yeah, but to him it's important, you know. Yeah, yeah. Just the options he gives you too, you know, he gives you a whole bunch of options to, yeah. He puts a lot of air on the table, mm. yeah. um, especially with guitar sounds. Like I didn't really like the guitar sounds at the start, but then I really heard them. I thought, mate, they're so good, mm. <laughs> you know. So he's doing um, the finished piece. Yeah, yeah, before you know, yeah. But even doing, mm. I thought, oh, that's no, a bit raw because you know I need a type of sound to kind of to, to express what I'm, you know, trying to put across. But yeah, just after he gives you these other options, it's like, wow, what a what a sound. You know, he's he's fantastic to work with. He's, Amazing. Yeah. I, mean, I, I actually got them work with anyone else. Yeah, they set the bench, mate. That's for sure. I actually played in a band with him 20 years ago for about a year. And, uh-huh. uh, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we, we go back a long, long way. And I remember in the day he got me into Soundgarden. Like that was, um, he, he discovered them before me. And so I think what, what Ricky was great doing, he, he's an avid listener. He's not, whilst he's a contributor, he's a great drummer in his own right. Uh, he, um, He's got a rich listening history, and he really come out of that. Probably that grungier is that is that that vintage where yeah, the nineties where, where he's thing, you know, and and that in some ways was there was a period when we were calling it grunge at the time, but we look back now and it's it's really it's quite hard to rock. A lot of the alternate tunings that were going yep. on back then is what we're you know we're bringing back yeah, too, yeah. but a different flavour. Yeah. Um, and and Ricky was all over that, and he and, and he was always in the studios back then yeah. recording. So he's had he's had sort of more than twenty years of yeah. of, of actually practicing the art. And he loves Rush. And he- <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Any producer who likes Rush, mate, you got me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, what a setup he's got up there, huh? Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah. It's beautiful property. It's like sixty acres up in the back of the. Uh, Country sort of just the outskirts of Sunbury, Victoria, yep. and it's just beautiful. The studio just out looks yeah. over a big field full of kangaroos, and you just don't want to leave the joint. Yeah. It's just a really, really good atmosphere. It's a good space to create. So yeah, we we really, really can't say enough about Ricky to be honest with you. No, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, and what you mentioned too about being in a space which is conducive to creation is so important. The mm. key word: less distractions. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But even he said, like, so one of the things he had, one of the ideas, like, you know, new EP that he had, we had this song and it was sort of, was sort of working at, you know, sort of, and it was, and it was like, oh, right, right, right. and we weren't too sure. Because we kind of liked what we were doing. But, for example, Ricky just said, oh, why don't you try this? Like, do that, do this line, that line there, do this, and, and double it up, and rah, 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 rah. 
And I was sitting there going, oh, fuck, I've got to write, that means I've got to write another line, <laughs> right? And I was like, oh, man. So, but that, we were there at his property. just went out and snuck a joint with Nick in the, in the van with a pen and a piece of paper. And it was like, yeah, I'm going to take 10 minutes. Mm. And I was like, yeah, got it. <laughs> and just went in there and just put it straight down. And he was like, that's it. So, you know, but to, to get someone to be able to, to, to put it across to you that way where they're not fucking with your art, you know, and just mm-hmm. that's all for the betterment of it. And he's really, really good at that. Yeah. And, and I, I actually would suggest anybody who does use Ricky that listen to the man and, and take on his wisdom because he's pretty good at what he does. It sounds like he allows you guys or facilitates uh, an environment that allows you guys to be the very best version of yourselves you could be exactly that right. time. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. It doesn't change you. Yeah, just gives you yeah. the space to be you. Yeah. Yeah. Like when we were uh, doing the vocals and stuff, um, just the way he gets it out of you, you know, and it's a hard grind sometimes as a singer to just repeat lines and repeat lines and, you know, but he got me doing things that I didn't even think I could do that I wasn't aware of, you know, and he just taught me a lot. He taught me a lot as a singer as well in the time that I've spent with him, which, again, is just priceless. Yeah, we captured it on record. There's no doubt about that. So, so for, for you, Mark, were there pertinent lyrical themes, or are there pertinent lyrical themes that that you address? Um, yeah, look, I think, but it's subliminal. I don't know what I'm writing about when I write it. A lot of the time, I write something. When I write, I tend to write a whole song. So I write verse, verse, mid eight chorus in my head. That obviously changes, but. Um, I don't specifically. It's been interesting, actually, because we've had to do blurbs for singles and stuff we've released. And, you know, what's a song about? I sit there, oh, fuck it. (laughs) (laughs) So, but I think a lot of it's relative because I've been through a lot of relationships and stuff like that. You know, I've never been married. I've never had kids. I've always been single. Um, So, with as a result of that, I've probably, you know, had my fair share of girlfriends probably more than I wanted and more than I should have. But um, at the end of the day, it was great fodder to write about, you know, because uh, there's a lot of different characters out there. But um, So, yeah, I'll leave that part of that. But, uh, yeah, a lot of it is just it just comes straight out of me. I, very rarely do I sit there and theme a song and say, I'm going to write about this. The only probably time I've done that would have been with My Angel, which okay. I wrote about my mum. So... Um, I, I wrote that about her and that just came out of me. That was a pretty simple song uh, for me to write. I didn't have to try too hard, but um, I didn't have to mess with it. That was the other thing when I write. I tend not to mess with lyrics too much. If it ain't broken, don't fix it. There's a reason I wrote it, mm-hmm. you know, and just sort of hone it from that point. But, yeah, no real formula or anything like that, but um, it is what it is. You know, we're just writing this thing now, and for example, and um, – uh, Jason's come up with a bit of a riff that we're, we're really digging. We're just sort of mucking around with it now. But I've got a catalogue of lyrics that I've because I'm a prolific writer, and it's a great thing to pull out and revert back to. So you know, one of the things we're doing now, I've pulled out an old song, the lyrics from like 2006, mm. and you know, and if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. It's mine. I can do what the fuck I want with it. So. You know, it's it's been really helpful that little bag of tricks I've got. Mm. I meant to ask this question earlier, but the the introduction to Mark, how did that come about? Um, well, we did a gig, and there was a 
young, good-looking blonde girl standing there. Didn't know who she was. And um, I went up and introduced myself to her, and which, which we tend to do with a lot of punters because we like the people. <laughs> Not that it was, <laughs> but um, you know. And uh, yeah, we just introduced ourselves. She said she liked the band, and she came and seen us again. And um, she had an association with Mark, and um, she hooked us up to Mark. Had to push us a couple of times with Mark. Mark actually didn't like the stuff originally, believe it or not. Mm. He, um, but he, Kim kept hassling. <laughs> and, um, so he went back and listened to it a couple, of, and then it got him. And so Dave, his words, he goes, "It got me." And you know, from then, then we built a relationship from there. So. Mm. Uh, Oh, fair enough, yeah. Now, look, if you were each to pick a band or two each, we're limited to a band or two each. I know that we're all a melting pot of different influences and inspirations. We've talked about so many already, but if you could each pick a band or two each as the band that got you started, that you feel as though got you started, I might even add my two cents in here and say Living Colour and Faith No More, but for you guys. Oh, what a band. Yeah. Yeah, I've spoken to those guys a few times. So being a bassist primarily, Sebastian, I'm sure you can relate, just the groove yeah. of that band is just unbelievable. Everybody loves you when you buy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed, indeed. But, but yeah, go, Mark, you start. If you're going to pick two two bands that you think really got you started in this in this game, who would you pick? Um, probably first up, I'd, I'd say... Probably Cold Chisel, um, Matt Finish. Mm. Um, wow. Those types of cars. I, I really like a classy band. Cold Chisel's early stuff to me was <clears throat> gold um, and so was Matt Finish. Mother Goose were another band I was influenced by, believe it or not. I just like the way they went about it. But um, then I found Rush and that was the end of it. He said two, mate. Oh, we can talk forever about this topic. I know it's a kid's opinion box, don't worry. (laughs) Nick, you go. Who who you got? Uh, The two. Yeah, I'll give you the two important ones, which but the question was is how you started. Well, definitely Kiss, 1973. Was bang, I was finished. And then Led Zeppelin after that, you know. So, yeah. Bit, yes. bit, bit different from Marx here. Yeah, got some killer Oz rock, and then you got the classics there, the American yeah. classics or British and American classics, I should say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think when, for me, when I heard Jimmy Barnes sing for the first time, I was like, "You're kidding me, aren't you?" Yeah, I've since developed a real appreciation, I've got to say, for Cold Chisel that I never had growing up. But, you know, what? What? how that's come about is by playing covers, bands, but playing their music. I just look so forward to playing Phil Small's bass lines and just what Mossy did. I think Mossy would be one of my favourite guitarists ever at this I point. Unbelievable player, unbelievable. Just no, I will say nobody else has his feel. You know, that globally, I'm talking, not just Australia. Yeah. You know it's him playing. Oh, yeah. Straight away, yeah. Yeah, straight away. I missed his solo stuff, unfortunately. Just commitments, family commitments or otherwise, but I wish I'd seen him. Yeah, he's just a magnificent guitarist. And, uh, mate, uh, so who wants to go next? Is Seb, do you want to go next or, uh, Jace, do you want to have a, have a crack? Yeah, Led Zeppelin, definitely. That's when I yeah. just first discovered this, this power of rock. And then thinking about the bass player, um, Red Hot Chili Peppers, I really like Flea. But Beatles is for me one of the most influential bands. Yes, I said three. Is that, is that on a bass playing level? Because that'd be interesting. Because I love Paul McCartney's bass lines. It's in general. Yeah, but yeah, Paul McCartney's good melodies. You know, um, as a bass player, it's, 
it's great, simple, but um, not very like his technique or not very fancy. But yeah, not very yeah not I mean, fancy. yeah, it's great. Bass player doesn't have to be fancy. Yeah, but, uh, we're talking about rock, very, very good choices. The only comment on Flea is actually, I mean, I'm, I think we're about the same age. Oh, well, I shouldn't make an assumption, but I'm in my mid-40s, so Chili Peppers are right smack bang in the middle of when I was sort of coming up alongside of Living Colour Faith, no more Primus, this sort of stuff. But, um, <coughs> God, Flea stuff lately, I'm not enjoying his playing at all, I've got to say. Uh, I don't know whether you saw the, uh, the American an- anthem that he did at the Lakers okay. game recently. He just overplayed. And oh, just, yeah, that, yeah. It was no. not good. Yeah. No, it's, it's not. It's not good enough. I don't anymore. I think. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm talking about Dre Hot Chip. You can pick him all the way too. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I don't know why he, he did that. Yeah. yeah. He just you get a bit old and you lose your your ability to sort of you know self restraint. This sort of thing. You know. Yeah, but he's renowned for that, isn't he? He's always been renowned for that. Bass player that oversteps, yeah, like know, a lead guitar or something. I think I don't know. Yeah, he's always been outrageous. I really like a new song. A new oh, song, yeah. yeah. But it sounds it actually reminded me of a little bit of uh, the way uh, it's sung. It sounds reminds me a little bit of Rob Williams. But, um, yeah. you know, I'm glad. I'm glad Frusciante's back in the band. I, I never thought he yeah. the band that doesn't sound like them without him in it. And I think Jason Klinger is that his name does an okay job. But I mean that that band, that guitarist for that band is John Frusciante. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm actually listening to an interview with him at the moment mm. uh, on a podcast. Yeah, magnificent. So I'm only going to through it, but I'll come back to. It. Cool, Jason. Bring us home, mate. Who have you got? Oh, I've just I've got about eight bands that I've got through my head. I've only got- <laughs> Yeah. All right, well, if it comes down to rock, I'd have to say Van Halen for sure. Oh. Um, like for me, hearing Eruption for the first time, you know, countless guitarists, we thought, what the what the hell is this? Um, felt like the, the, the spy was blowing up, you know. Yeah. Could, just couldn't work out what he was doing. <laughs> but now, you know, I, I know all the elements that make up that, that tone now, but mm. uh, back in 1978, mm-hmm. I'm an eight-year-old kid at this stage hearing this thing for the first time, mm-hmm. which probably mm-hmm. even... Um, you really got me. Uh, okay. Great song, yeah. That was on the radio, and then that led me to eruption, and I thought, this, this is just unbelievable. Yeah. And then as a kid, I'd save up my eight ninety nine every two weeks and uh, from my pocket money and go to Brashes and buy another Van Halen album and work my way through them all. Yeah. Was Tobacco Road David Lee Roth? Or David Lee Roth, Roth, that was that later. That, like that was Steve Vaughan. Steve Vaughan. Yeah. Fuck, crack. Yeah. Yankee Road. Yeah. Amazing. And then, you know, probably the next act that, that absolutely sort of tore, tore me at my heartstrings was Steve Ray Vaughan. Oh, awesome. So Steve Ray Vaughan's ability to, like, I went through the whole phase of um, getting super fat guitar strings because he, he played, like, like piano wire, and his hands were so strong and strats. Mm. And, and uh, his ability to make, I just couldn't work out how he was getting this sort of combination of a clean and dirty sound all at once. And I got to see him live in 1986 at wow. Festival Hall. And I was in the fourth row. I'll never forget the night. And uh, his brother, Jimmy Vaughan, played me. And it would have been at the height of when Steve Ray Vaughan was um, going through some major drug dramas. Like he, mm. he, he, wasn't, he wasn't there. You could tell he was all spaced out. But as soon as he played that first note, it was just, yeah, it was a, it was a, yeah, it was a, 
spiritual, you know, experience, I suppose. And um, just just that tone. I don't think anyone's ever come close in that blues genre, at least that blues rock and and really that emotion in the playing um, was about you know less notes can can be so powerful, you know. Yeah. And then his ability to saw with the with the clean stuff as well as the the, the dirty stuff, and uh, yeah, and then then he, he moonlighted in bands like um, David um, David Bowie. He played on a couple of his tracks and. Yeah, killed it. So um, yeah, don't get me started because this. this yeah. is oh, it's killer! It's, it's such a topic. You know, but for me, Zeppelin and Beck too. Yeah. Off, 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 off. I think I had to say too. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting because we all sort of different, were we? Yeah, well, for sure. Yeah, well, Zeppelin. Yeah, I didn't mention Zeppelin, but that is a little sliding. I think even with the Steve Rapp stuff, like for me, I had a guitar teacher who was a Hendrix freak. Mm-hmm. And Hendrix is definitely on my, in my list too, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I just thought Steve Ray Vaughan took it one step further again. Perhaps it was a bit more polished. Um, but, but Hendrix was obviously a pioneer um, and, a, and a freak in his own right. Rory Gallagher, there's another one. Yeah, um, that's a guy mm-hmm. I've missed. And a lot, of, like a lot of things I think in life, you, you, you realise that you find out about these guys years later and you end up coming back and you go back. And I, I suppose my teacher taught me to start looking at who influenced the current bands. Yeah. And you start sort of going, going back and looking at who their influences were. And, and it's a whole, you know, massive discovery. And it's it's like a never-ending discovery. Yeah, it never stops. It, it never stops now. Yeah, you end up, I do that too. I go right back into the roots of it. And you always end up back with these guys like Hank Williams and Muddy Waters and B.B. King. Yeah, yeah. And you just sit there for hours. I know I can do it. I just sit there for, you know, especially did it through COVID, right? Not gigging anymore. Yeah. Uh, back into gigging now, but just do these YouTube dives and just performances, uh, but by guys like Hank Williams and stuff, and just listening to this stuff and absorbing it. You know, for the first time in in decades, just having the time, just to devote to, you know, without falling asleep either. Meaning that having young kids, right? Normally, I go, yeah, I'm going to put on some Hank and lie in bed and the next minute it's 3.30 and, you know, the thing's still playing and I've taken none of it in. But being able to absorb it, I think, and then sort of go off into different branches as a as a result of that. But I've got to say the one, and I know I've just mentioned Hank, the one genre that I, I still really can't dig is country. Uh, not broadly yeah. speaking, there are splices of it, but do you guys feel the same way? Uh, yeah. 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 So, look, there's some good country. To me, it's too predictable. To me, it seems like here again, it's just... That voice, that sound, that twang, mm. that's it. The guitar playing is, and a lot of it's amazing, though. Yes. Yeah, great. Yeah, um, yeah the, the actual type of song and the way, the, yeah. the melodies, that, the, the tone and stuff. Yeah, yeah. it's a broad scope yeah. country, but, you know, you're just talking about something yeah. like Chet Atkins yeah. compared to, you know. Yeah. And Billy Ray Cyrus. Or some, <laughs> some, of be, some of it's always become 70s classic rock. Yeah. yeah some yeah. of it has. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's... Uh, I don't mind. I think it's got its place. It's a huge place, especially apparently in the States. It's massive. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I, I did the Americana Festival in Nashville back in 02. Yeah. Right. Way back. But um, it's only had a bit of a lot of bands, not Jason. There you go. And that was um, um, that was with um, Casey Chambers. Um, she was on that bill. Mm. Uh, Shane Nicholson, and and then but got getting to see blokes like John Hyatt, who are all sort of old country. Yeah, and there's a lot to country. There's so many different types of yeah. country. 
but Twain Country can be yuck, yeah. <laughs> the mainstream country, I think we're talking, you know, Garth Brooks and the like, excuse me, but it's garbage. You know, you listen to this stuff and I mean, I've tried, believe me, I have tried. You listen yeah. to it and think, how is this stuff? Garth Brooks at one point in time was the highest selling artist of all time. Who's, bu- who's buying this shit? Yeah. A lot of boot scooters. Built for boot scooting. Mm-hmm. Huge, huge market in the south of the USA. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'll wrap things up, but I'll hand over the floor to you guys in terms of are there, are there any are there any subjects or topics that you'd like to talk about before we wrap things up that we haven't? Um, pretty cool. What, what have we got going on? What are a couple of things? Where's that? Yeah. Where's that? Where so there's a fit going on, isn't it, guys? Like, yeah, no, no. stuff going on. We're very excited. Hmm. I can't. Watch the video. Leave a light on. Yeah, yeah. We just did a. Finishing off the uh, film clip for our next song, Leave a Light On, which is a, we're stoked about that. Um, we actually did the filming for it uh, last weekend out in the back of Melbourne, out in the farms out there, which was a good day. So um, we've got one more little thing to do there, and that's Sebastian because he's been running around entertaining, it seems like, the whole country lately, running around. So we've got to get a little bit more footage of him, and that should be wrapped up. Um I think we've got the release for the singles when, Jay? I think it's the 18th of... 13th of June. 13th of June. That's released for... For Legal um, Light On, yeah. For Legal Light On. Uh, we've got some really good shows coming up. I think May, end of May, we're in Tassie doing Rose, Rose Tattoo. We've got a couple of nights yeah. with them, which is unbelievable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're pretty stoked about that. We've got another show... Screaming Jets. Uh, Screaming Jets. I think we've got a couple of shows with them in maybe... June, I think that might be. Yeah. June. June, July, yeah. June, July. Um, we've got, um, what else we've got? We're doing an early beach festival. I think we've got a gig there coming up nice. in November. Uh, we've got another show through uh, Anthem Entertainment, which is Ralph Thomas, um, for a headline sort of show, which we're really excited about. Uh, I think that's at the Palace in Camberwell. So uh, we're looking forward to that. We're going back into the studio with Ricky to record. <laughs> so May, June for us is bring it on. We can't wait. It, we're just going to smack it in the mouth. And we that distribution deal for Universal as well, yeah? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the other thing too. We're um, pretty excited about that. We've got um, uh, Al Gould. I don't know too much about the man, but he sounds like he's got a bit of influence over in the States. Um, they're... Uh, what are we doing with him? We're uh, hopefully going to get over to LA. So we've got our fingers crossed that Mark's going to put us in his pocket <laughs> and get us over there and uh, go hit the States. But there's some really good, exciting things happening yeah. ahead that we're... Even Sideways too, some motorsport. Yeah, Sideways just got picked up for a sponsorship for um, with Ducati. Mm-hmm. Uh, that came out on social media today. That was just a blast to see one of those bikes around the track with the golden robot logo all over it now song sideways behind we're pretty happy about that uh i think we've got some other stuff coming up maybe with the v8 supercars and a little bit of a campaign for that using sideways as well so okay. oh it is happening yeah. 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 yeah yeah it's all happening yeah well congratulations guys on what i've heard so far um long may you reign in this world of rock and metal i hope you achieve that broad audience that you so richly deserve based on what i've heard so far you know uh godspeed and uh thanks very much for the chat thank you thanks mate awesome thanks a lot thank you thanks for your time so there you have it my chat with the members of stone trips so i roll call once again guitarists mick malusa and Jason King, bassist Sebastian Barahona, 
and vocalist Mark Ritchie, all members of Stone Trip. So that's it for another instalment of the show. If you like reading books, I just happen to have written one. Scars and Guitars, Volume 1, Conversations from the World of Hard Rock, Heavy Metal and Beyond can be yours. I don't have any more physical copies left. They went very quickly. Turns out rock and metal fans prefer to consume or read material via physical copy. But you can go across and check out the e-version. Go to my website, scarsandguitars.com. Follow the links and you too can be the proud owner of my new book in e-form. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith and that's it for another episode. Until next time, it is a very goodbye for now.